745. That's the time we have a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good Saturday morning to you, Jack. And the very same to you, Denny. How are you this morning? I'm doing quite well, and it looks like looks like another summery hot week. Yes, ahead. indeed. You know, I was thinking that uh, with the current times, etc., everybody seems to have a little time on their hands at home. So why not learn a little bit about wine? And I'll tell you, you know, I've had the privilege and the joy of tasting wines all around the entire globe. I've been to every single continent but Antarctica and pursuit of the Holy Grail, the perfect wine, etc. And I've met some of the greatest people imaginable. I've made close friendships, etc. And wine does that. It brings it's something to be shared and enjoyed, and it can bring out the best of people. Unfortunately, wine has gotten to have this god-awful mystique that can be quite intimidating. I'm sure almost everybody knows somebody who knows a little bit about wine, who chats about it incessantly. Uh, That's not necessary. Wine's an agricultural product with a, a few variations, but it's there to be enjoyed, not enshrined, and not and it's to be drunk, not to be overanalyzed, etc. It's very social. You know, it's kind of rare to drink wine just by yourself. It's also even rarer to drink wine just to become intoxicated. Wine exists for pleasure. One of the popes was asked during American Prohibition what he thought of banning uh, alcohol, and he said, you know, uh, he didn't think God would like that. He wouldn't have made wine so good if he wanted to ban and and I think there's some truth to that. Wine is a, a wonderful thing. It's a great thing to enjoy. And learning about it can bring out uh, more enjoyment. You don't really have to overlearn anything. But learning a little bit about it, it does enhance social experiences. And wine, as I said, is best enjoyed in the company of others. And a little bit of wine knowledge goes a long way. You don't want to sit and chat endlessly about wine. But it's nice to compare and make different comments about what you think of the wine. And, you know, it's so interesting how many people can taste the same wine and taste different things in it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Also, if you learn a little bit about wine, you become a more confident wine buyer and wine consumer. No one likes to wander through some wine aisles and feel overwhelmed, or you bought wine based on or something you've read. Or how would you just like to be able to walk in confidently, find your favorite wine, and walk out satisfied? Um, you know, also learning about wine will improve your ability to taste and smell. Really, it doesn't have to be an exercise in snobbery. It only takes a brief pause to analyze the wine and what you're drinking. Know what you like, and then you can try similar wines all the time. And this isn't limited just to wine. It's everything you do when you take and uh, chew a walnut. Really taste that walnut taste. Uh, I think you'll find by doing that, you're causing your taste sensation to improve, uh, to get better. You know, most women... uh, Years ago, it's not so true today, but most women years ago had much better palates than men. The reason was they were always tasting food and correcting the seasonings. Uh, Today, of course, many men cook as women cook, so it's about on an equal par who has the best palate, in my opinion. 
And the wine world is immense. I remember once reading a book. Was wasn't a very good book, but I had I loved the title. Hand me a corkscrew, Bacchus. And the idea was the only way to learn about wine is to pull the corks, taste the wine. And I would uh, absolutely echo that. Uh, you really want to taste a lot of wine. It's interesting. Uh, the wine world is absolutely fascinating. And you may not like the wine very much, but you will have walked away learning a little something and knowing something about wine. Now, when you taste wine, you look for five things. That's all. And whether somebody is grading a wine on a 100-point scale, a 20-point scale, 10-point scale, or a letter scale. These are the five things they use. The first is color. And when you look for color in wine, all you want to make sure is it isn't cloudy, that the color is clear, whether it's red, white, rosé. There's no impurities in the color. It's absolutely clear. Next thing you look for is aroma. And here you're looking for, does it smell like wine? And if it does, the aroma is fine. The third thing is bouquet. And this is a little more complicated. Is it a Zinfandel? Is it a Cabernet? Is it Malbec? Uh, the bouquet tells you what type of grape it is, etc. Then the fourth thing is taste. How does it taste? And the fifth and last is the aftertaste. After you swallow it, does that leave a pleasant taste in your mouth? Those five things, color, aroma, bouquet, taste, and aftertaste. And that's all that you look for in wine, just those things. And if they're all in balance, the wine is fine. And like I say, a matter of grading is a matter of personal preference, how you grade something. But those are the five things you look for. And if you'll notice in those five things, two of them, two out of the five, have to do with the sense of smell. And those are the mo- usually the most heavily weighted because your nose can d- distinguish something like 50 or 80,000 different scents and aroma. Your taste can only determine four, sweet, sour, salt, and bitter. That's all your taste. That's why with a lot of older people, they'll say everything tastes so salty. Man, their other taste buds have worn down a little bit, and that salty one becomes more acute, and thus everything tastes sort of salty to them. But in taste, there's only those four things. In sense of smell, your olfactory system can distinguish tens of thousands of different things. And that's why aroma and bouquet are so very important and take so much space in tasting wine. Now, there are only basically uh, five types of wine. One, actually there's only three. Sparkling, still, and fortified. Sparkling, we all know what that is. That's everything from Prosecco to Champagne. Uh, still is everything else, red, white, rosé, any still wine. And lastly, fortified, and fortified wines are wines where they add alcohol to stop the fermentation to achieve a certain sweetness. Sherry is a fortified wine. So is Madeira. So is port wine. Those are all fortified wines. And they've all had brandy added to them to stop the alcohol fermentation, and to make sure that the wine stays sweet. There's really nine styles of wine. There's sparkling wine, light white wine, full-bodied white wine, and sweet white wine. And then, of course, there's rosé. And then we have the same thing 
with reds. We have a light red, a medium red, a full-bodied red, and then lastly, dessert wines. Those are the nine styles of wine. But like I say, for all intents and purposes, those three that I mentioned initially, sparkling, still, and fortified, are the three main types of wine. Now, when you want to start to compare and identify these different wines, you're going to find that it's a very enjoyable uh, process. There's wonderful books written on wine. You know, libraries are full of them, and they're kind of fun. I think one that's very important is Hugh Johnson's Atlas, because so many wines have geographic names. Chianti is an area. Bordeaux is an area. Burgundy is an area. So I think you get the idea. You have to know a little bit about uh, geography, but lest you become intimidated, you already do. You know, we we know about Idaho potatoes and Long Island duck and things like that. So learning a little bit about geography doesn't hurt at all. And Hugh Johnson has written a remarkable atlas. It's been updated, I think, nine or ten times since it was originally published. And it's a good book to have so you know where the wine is coming from, uh, the country. And there's so many today different countries that are producing wine. For God's sake, India and China are making table wine now. In this country, in every single one of our 50 states, there's bonded wineries. All of them, from Alaska to Hawaii, they all have bonded wineries. So it doesn't hurt to know a little bit about geography. You can go online today and find everything you want to know about wine, and even more so. And the books for wine that are beginner books, that Wine for Dummies isn't a bad one to start with. It's a really well-thought-out book and step. But as I said, the most important thing, in my opinion, is uh, to open and taste different wines. And you're going to find it's a wonderful world, great adventures in wine, uh, to explore the world of wine with your corkscrew as your passport. Open those bottles, taste the wine, and I'm telling you, if you know a little bit about the wine, you're going to enjoy it just that much more. You don't have to have encyclopedia knowledge of any wines and things like that. All you have to know is a little bit about it. For example, uh, know that Bruy is a, a, a sub-area of Beaujolais, and Bruy should have a little more character and strength than regular Beaujolais, and they do. And comparing is a wonderful idea. As a matter of fact, uh, Ted has these six for sixty dollar wines that he promotes. Ted is my son, who's the president of Haskell's. Uh, Savor the summer is his new one, and he has two in there: Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio. Everybody wants. What's the difference between Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio? Absolutely nothing. The main difference is location. Location, location. It, it, Pinot Gris is Pinot Grigio grown in other parts of the world. There's one in his selection here. It's uh, Crickle Pinot Gris. And I'm telling you, if you have Thai food or very spicy Oriental food, that Pinot Gris is delicious. His Cantina della Torre Pinot Grigio from Italy is drier and more in aperitif. And then he has, in this same 6 for 60, a Grenache uh, Fordant Rosé that is absolutely delicious, bone dry, a perfect sipping wine on a hot day, like today is going to be, chill that Fordant Rosé down, have it on the patio or the back porch, 
boy, and you'll know all right, all's right in the world, and God is in heaven. Another one of his wines is uh, Hitch Chardonnay. It's a wonderful Chardonnay from the Edna Valley in California. It's that Chardonnay that's creamy and oaky. It's very fruit-forward, delicious. And, of course, he hasn't forgotten in his collection people who like barbecue. A Gary Bay is a vineyard in Argentina that produces a wonderful Baalbek. It's owned by the Rothschild family, who are big, big people, players in the wine world. And I'm telling you, Rothschild doesn't put their name on anything that isn't just terrific. So that Rothschild Malbec called Agari Bay is delicious, and it goes with barbecue. That sweet and spicy taste of your barbecue will be perfect. And lastly, he has a Cabernet that just calls for a big, thick grilled steak. It's second-growth Cabernet. The Cabernet comes from the Columbia Valley, and although the wine is bottled in Oregon, the wine was grown in the state of Washington, and it is a wonderful fruit-filled Cabernet that will bring a T-bone steak to its perfection when it accompanies it. And well, well there you have it, Denny. Well, I tell you what, I was going to ask you about that six that Ted has, and those are fantastic wines, and what a great deal. Tell us where we can find them. You can find that six for 60, savor the summer collection, six bottles of wine for 60 bucks at any of the Haskell stores. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine, and they love to talk about wine at Haskell. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's one in Faribault right off of 35. Maple Grove, our super seller, is not to be missed. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul, Highland Village, at Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, we can deliver to you, and you can also pick anything up outside of our stores. We are concerned with your safety, and we enact all the procedures so we observe that. So come on in. And, we'll talk. and Jack, let's talk again next week. You know, Jenny, I'm going to look forward to that. Thanks very much. Jack Farrow from Haskell's.